0: Business is Boring is made by the spin-off with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Bauer. When Bauer announced the closure of its operations in the last lockdown, a great many talented magazine and media people were put out of a job and into a state of uncertainty. Titles might come back, and some have since, but the advertising market and the economics of running them might not be the same. And with change comes the chance to have a look and see if old models still apply. And for today's guests, the standard approach to fashion media was out of date. Zoe Walker-Awa was Editor-in-Chief at Fashion Quarterly and Simply You, the top commercial and cultural institutions in fashion media. It was the culmination of 15 years working in the sector on titles like Viva, Next and right back in the beginning, Runway Reporter, an online first media outlet about 15 years ahead of its time. With the end of her titles, Zoe connected with Rebecca Wadey, who's been a writer and contributor to Metro magazine and also worked on the clothing label and commercial side of the industry for brands including Estee Lauder, Bobby Brown and Kate Sylvester. Together, they considered relaunching an august and now defunct title, but decided that so many things the old titles represented were yesterday's news. Instead, they've launched an online-first, member-supported outlet called Ensemble that covers fashion, culture and life, but with a more diverse view and class-conscious cultural lens than traditional magazines might have allowed. To talk the idea, the relevance of fashion and beauty what they mean and how they're changing, how you can do what you want online and the whole upside down world we live in. Editor Zoe Walker-Awa and Publisher and Partnerships Director, Rebecca Wadey, join us now in a Zoom chat. Morena, kia ora, thank you for being here.
1: Hi Simon, thanks for having us.
0: Hey, so first up, um, let's talk about your backgrounds. Rebecca first maybe, like um, t- tell me about your background across across fashion and the kind of commercial side of the industry. Where were you before um, before starting this?
2: Well, my, I fell in love with the industry many years ago through many, many years of working with Kate Sylvester. I was very much involved in helping her launch her wholesale into Australia um, and further around the world um, and involved in the very first New Zealand Fashion Week show she did, um, including working on very many of them. Uh, So for the last 12 years, I've kind of oscillated between journalism and PR, kind of between love and money, you could say, (laughs) and uh, spent the last few years working in the beauty industry and across sort of the wellness beauty industry. And I've really started to notice over the years, uh, a lot of women really not seeing themselves represented, struggling with self-esteem issues, a lot of the language that brands use is really demoralizing to women so I've really started to become more concerned with how women are being represented in the media yeah
0: yeah and how about you Zoe like man what a moment like I really thought you know really felt for a lot of a lot of friends caught up in the Bauer thing who've worked so hard to kind of like pivot their business models every 10 minutes for the last, like, four years and adapt <laughs> to the digital world and make the best out of every situation and then get to the top of their industries. Like, you know, Fashion Quarterly is the absolute pinnacle of um of, of fashion media. And then the bloody world goes and falls apart.
1: Yes. Uh, well, it wasn't great. Um, I mean, I had been there for just over a year um, as editor and I had worked really hard to kind of reposition the brand Um, in terms of what it stood for and what it was covering. Um, And I'm really proud of the work that I did do there. Um, But, I mean, it did have its challenges, as you mentioned, media in general, magazines in general. It's like you are every so often kind of having to figure things out as different challenges come up. But, I mean, if I'm honest, looking back, the quarterly model that the title did have did feel a little bit – strange because in terms of how fast fashion is moving and how people are consuming content right now, it, it kind of didn't feel particularly forward thinking and that what we had in our pages was almost disconnected from what was happening in the world by the time we came out. And I think that, um, you know, in hindsight, looking at that, I think you need to be constantly connecting with your audience and the quarterly model is maybe a little bit um, out of touch if it's not and in a commercial sense, definitely. I think, you know, there's lots of quarterly titles that come out that are, um, you know, more coffee table books, I suppose, which I think works. Um, so, yeah. But I also think it's really interesting because obviously Bauer and FQ closed. And then a few months after Bauer closed, Al, Harper's, and In Style in Australia. And that really represented to me kind of an end of, end of an era of mass fashion magazines.
0: Yeah. And and what led you two to come together? Because I, I read on um, on Ensemble um that you two had thought um uh, I read on the spin-off actually, I think, that you two had thought about getting uh, Fashion <laughs> Quarterly and buying it from kind of um the receivers or something. Um but what what led you to come together and why not just buy a title that everyone knows and keep going?
2: I mean, I'd always Zoe and I met working on Ramara Reporter, which was a really early fashion website that was started by Stacey Gregg back in 2005, Um, and it had been so great seeing her career just like flourish since then. I'd always dreamed about being able to work with Zoe again, and I did look at FQ very, very briefly, um, just as a pipe dream, because even if I could have somehow raised the money to buy it, the whole print thing is, you know, quite that would involve a lot more capital than I'd ever be able to come up with. And it would be like a really big undertaking. And Zoe was kind of keen to do something, but I could tell she wasn't really very keen on that. (laughs) Would you say that, Zoe? Yeah, I think for me, because quite a few people when it happened
1: did say to me, would you consider buying it? Um, And Rebecca and I talked about it. And I think for me, the brand, I mean, this year was it's 40 years um, which does mean something I think heritage brands are still important but for me it felt like it still had this kind of um, thing hanging over it like the, the industry has this ownership of it of what it is and what it stands for and it is it was hard to kind of pivot it away from that to really reflect fashion now like it is very glamorous and shiny which you know that's fine but I think that maybe there's a disconnect between what New Zealand fashion is now. So for me, I I felt like there was th- there was something missing in the industry in terms of coverage and media, and I didn't think that buying the brand and kind of changing it to be that would work. So we decided think, to do our own thing.
2: I think as well, like with an established title, like the world has changed so dramatically this year, and to have relevance in the new world i think it would be really hard to pivot something that already existed to yeah. reflect the current world so it seemed like there was so much more opportunity in starting fresh and not having any baggage and not having any hang-ups and not being you know having a particular readership or a particular advertiser with an established idea of you
1: yeah definitely. yeah
0: and and like i guess there are examples like British folk where uh, there has been kind of like a company backing it to the, the nth degree to actually change and it kind of came forward about two centuries and five years well in a year maybe <laughs> you know it really flew forward but that's probably the exception that proves the rule isn't it and that you know um, you wrote a really interesting thing Zoe on Ensemble about the um, about the role of glamour in the magazine industry and it made the point that the, the team working on it and their interests and maybe the things that they're following on Instagram and the people that they care and that they're talking about aren't always the people that fit into the advertiser-led content in a um, masthead title.
1: Yes, definitely. I think, I mean, in fashion in general, there's definitely this movement to being more, you know, woke and considerate of what's going on in the world. But, for a traditional title, especially a traditional print title, it's hard to take risks and change things because, you know, there are all the challenges that come with that, reduced revenue, reduced circulation, that's the reality. So I think it just, it was something like British Vogue that has clearly been the entire company and the publisher and everyone has backed that change and it's amazing But like you said, it's definitely the exception to the rule.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's really hard that when the people who are wanting the new models aren't necessarily the people who are still paying the subscriptions Mm. and buying the the glossies. Hey. And like there's been this this move for and then you end up making a magazine for the people that aren't buying it. It's quite quite a challenging quite a challenging Mm. situation. Like, what does going online first? allow you to do that that wasn't possible um, in, in uh, traditional media?
1: Um, well, for me, responsiveness and flexibility is the main thing. I mean, that's just the internet. But I think the idea, and we've talked about this idea of playfulness, which is what we felt was missing in terms of coverage and in fashion. Like there are brands who are there, but the coverage is not necessarily there. Um, and I think with online, and, you know, Rebecca and I have talked about this too. For mo- for a lot of titles, the online presence is almost
2: secondary to the print. It's there to support their print vehicle. Yes, and so it was really important for us that we had something that was online first, and it was there to support the digital space.
0: Yeah, and how does that how does that work in practice? Because like. Yeah, talk, talk us through how the actual kind of um, the, the glossy model worked, and that if you're doing something on the quarterly, you then still have to do web this and event that and you know, there's so much work that goes into kind of keeping that, that cycle going, hey, and, and the way that it's funded is a lot of the content that hits the editorial has got some kind of um, support from um, the advertising side, is that right?
1: Yes and no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, definitely in the lifestyle space, this idea of, I mean, a- advertising and added value is a part of it. I think it depends on the title though. I think there are definitely titles here, and I won't name them, but I think it's pretty obvious, where a lot, the majority of what's featured is tied in with some kind of advertising spend. You could literally I mean I am obviously quite cynical and when it comes to it and I can look through a magazine and be like, that connects to that, that connects to that. That's the reality. But I think um not all no, not all titles do that, but that is that and that is definitely where fashion and lifestyle media has kind of gone towards because everyone is trying to hustle and survive. But to me it's quite dangerous because if you're literally featuring the brands who are advertising, then what about the rest of the industry? It's really quite scary because what about, like, the weird arty brands or the small brands who are made at home? They're just as important to our industry. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, but then it's such a big operation to keep going, hey? And, like, yes. if I think of... um. You know, where I first met you uh, a few years ago on a now a, a title that no longer exists it's called FQ Men that I worked at um, <laughs> up around the corner from, um, from you at Runway Reporter. Yes. Like Bauer, well, which wasn't called Bauer then, but was like the, the, it was an absolute beast. It was such a big operation with so many people. And yes. across the years, there's like more titles, but about a quarter as many people working on them.
1: Yes. I mean yes it is definitely I think fashion especially there's a lot of production that goes into it fashion shoots are a good example like a fashion shoot traditionally would you'd spend weeks on pulling it together there'd be a full crew on set and by full crew in New Zealand standards that's still pretty small compared to overseas but I guess with online it it's a bit looser and more lo-fi it gives you more freedom to you know one person go off and Photograph a model at home, it doesn't have to be these full-on productions, which I think that gives a lot more freedom in that sense.
0: Yeah, and that kind of the big, you know, the big change, of course, is like the Instagram factor, where, you know, there used to be um, so few actual outlets, both for creativity and for finding out anything about, you know, what was current and interesting. And now it's so dispersed and people are going straight to the content creators and they're pretty much magazines now. They're like, I've got a circulation of 20,000 and you can't really measure it, but, you know, give me some product. <laughs> um, what, what What's the role of Instagram um, in, in your media landscape today with, with Ensemble?
2: Well, I think as well, one of the things that I really felt when um, when Bauer closed and when fashion titles were closing was it would be just a really terrible thing if all this marketing spend went to influencers because influencers again it's a very gray area you're not sure what's a paid partnership what's genuine Um, there are people who have really a great voice and they're using it really well other people it's a bit more murky Um, so obviously Instagram is a really big part of the fashion industry but we also really wanted to have something that was a proper digital platform not just an Instagram page. Um, and so while our Instagram is super important to us, it's not nearly as important as subscribers to the newsletter and people who actually visit the site and engage with the content. That's where the proper storytelling goes on. Um, I mean, Instagram has been incredible for the fashion industry. I purchase things straight from shopping off Instagram and we really want our our website to really encourage shopping and encourage uh, like invigorate the local industry. Everyone's really suffering right now. It's an incredibly difficult time. So if we can really help drive those sales, that is a really great thing. Um, and that's partly Instagram, but also partly going again back through to the website.
0: Yeah, and you've got a, a membership model for the website. Tell tell me about that, because it's quite, you know, the, the the Instagram thing, it's so bleakly transactional in the same way, <laughs> In the same way that, you know, some lifestyle titles, you know, you can see that every single thing in there has been paid for and it's got no editorial independence, but in many ways, like editorial independence was kind of a quirk that yeah. happened because they yeah. were monopolies that had the only way to disseminate kind of information. So, you know, they made all the advertising money and then this thing grew up around it yeah. um, pa- para- parasitically or symbiotically, but it, it never really had a business model. Um, and so how are you sidestepping that to allow you to have this independence and, and your own kind of editorial voice uh, and not be as, as kind of bleakly transactional as, um, as, as Instagram?
2: So we have a membership program, um, which is, it's a premium price. It's it's $325. Uh, you can also just go on and make a donation to our website if that's, you know, more your budget at the moment. Um, but what our what our membership program is, it's kind of similar to... We loosely based it off the B-card model of many, many years ago. So you purchase something and in return you get perks and you get VIP access and you get to go to special events. So what the membership program does is it allows these um, 13 brands to come on and support us. They don't get any editorial say over the website, but they get to come and support us. They get, they're get providing a 10% discount once a year, special events and VIP access once a year. We're going to prop it up with our own events when we're allowed to have them. A lot of them will be Zoom events so that we can get around the country and the world. But it allows these designers to be able to have a platform that encourages The industry. They can lend their capital and their brands to helping support emerging designers that will feature on the website as well. Um, So it allows there to be a platform for them. The first thing we did when we came up with the idea of starting Ensemble was uh, sit down with a few of the designers that we have very tight relationships with and say, would you be prepared to support us? Would you be prepared to do this? No one else has ever managed to pull these brands all together like this. So I think that that speaks uh, really well to Zoe's, like the respect that she has in the industry, and what uh, we can really, you know, and and it makes us a really beautiful premium environment, but we can also tell some really important stories in that space. Kitakahorehe whaka kitanga kangaro tewi. Without foresight or vision, the people will be lost. Kia ora koutou, I'm Stacey Morrison. Join me for Conversations That Count, Ngā Kōrero Whai Take, a new series brought to you by Massey University and the spin-off. I'll be chatting to academics, activists and industry leaders to turn a unique lens on the issues impacting Aotearoa and Te Ao Whānui. From structural equality to liberalising drug policy, implications for our mokopuna and more, we'll bring you thought-provoking kōrero about the things that count for all of us. New episodes will be available each month, so subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.
0: If you love the spin-off, the best way to show it is to become part of the spin-off members. This is the fund that helps us keep free and accessible to all without a paywall. It also funds some of our most important and acclaimed journalism. Check it out through the spin-off. Yeah, tell me about the mix of, of content that you're able to... Um, to make there, um, and and yeah, and like the different voices and different approaches to to storytelling there.
1: Um, well, we have, I mean, we're fashion, beauty, culture people; those are our kind of content pillars, I guess. For us, we are we've we've talked a lot about women's stories and voices. I mean, we're not just for women, but with the closure of a lot of these titles, I think that has kind of almost disappeared or there's been kind of um, challenges to that. And I also think lifestyle journalism in general is super undervalued here. And, you know, there are obvious reasons for that. But, you know, it can be done in a way that's really intelligent and funny as well. Um, So that's what we really want to do. And I think also in terms of the people that we're working with, I really would like to see and work with, you know, people who are just coming into fashion, people who uh, have been in the industry for a million years and really kind of encourage this point of view, many points of view, which is the idea of an ensemble, Um, because in fashion especially, like obviously fashion is becoming way more diverse and inclusive, but the conversation is often around who's in front of the camera in terms of models, which is obviously very important. But behind the scenes, I think that's where the change really needs to happen. Um, and, you know, we're two Pākehā women. We totally get that. But we obviously want to kind of build up this team of contributors that isn't um, the traditional fashion writer or fashion photographer.
0: Yeah, something you wrote about the traditional fashion writer, it's a problem that afflicts a lot of um, the kind of communications, the shinier communications industries, yes. where the internship thing and the kind of like low wage at the very beginning of the career thing really cuts down the people who can go to basically people whose parents can support them. Yes. And that's pretty wild, eh? Like, What are, what are the effects of that?
1: Well, I mean,
2: there's, no, <laughs> there's no emerging talent coming through, you know, because if you have to go and get a proper job where you earn decent money to put food on the table, then you're not going to go and intern at a fashion magazine. And in turn, when you see that fashion magazines are run by people that all look the same way and all speak to the same person, you're not going to see yourself in those pages and you're going to start to turn away from the industry, which is a really awful thing. I mean, we're such an amazing, vibrant, multicultural country and that vibrancy should be reflected. Um, And so we're really, really hoping that we can find some people who haven't felt that they've been seen before and they can start to share their stories and their voices with us. And our membership program will help us pay them proper money and they can start to make a career out of this thing.
0: Yeah, and that's the kind of another really big trend in the industry as well. Like I love the idea of ensemble, like an ensemble cast means a whole bunch of stars all contributing, which is such a cool kind of um, a cool metaphor for it Um, and and to kind of bring those stars in, but also that honesty around business models. Like how do you how do you actually get people paid to, to be valued for their work? And, you know, it probably means that the really big over the top shoots get pulled back and then there's more to kind of share around. But yeah, t- tell me about that kind of honesty and openness about the business model, which really feels to me to be, um, you know, a big a big movement in the world at the moment, because so much of what was happening, everyone was pretending to be profitable and wonderful, but was in
1: hell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think in fashion, especially, and you know this, Simon, it's like, no one knows what the future is or what the answer is. There's everything's kind of up in the air so I think it's amazing that there is a lot more honesty and transparency in what people are going through I think what's happening now like there was a business of fashion story I saw this morning I haven't actually read it yet but it's talking about everyone's been talking about fashion is messed up what what next how do we solve this and I think that's where we are at the moment it's kind of like we all know that it's all up in the air, but how do we fix it? And everyone's kind of working through that together, I yeah. suppose. It's it's a
0: real reset mode. I mean, and you as a writer have always taken as much of an interest in the the business, the the what it takes to bring it together, the craft, um, you know, the history and, and the background of fashion, which isn't, you, you know, and that again, to link to what you were saying before about like the validity of women's interests. Uh, and, and you know, like, it's yeah. really amazing. like. Um, yeah, like, like, like uh, yeah, t- t- tell me about that and kind of how it can be kind of like um, a, a really, yeah, yeah, like, like the importance of things like women's interest publication or lifestyle not being um, looked down on and not being uh,
1: minimised. I mean, that's been my entire career, let's be honest here. Um, I mean, I think... You know, women's stories, women's lifestyle ju- journalism, yeah, it's always been kind of looked as being silly or not as important. And some of it is, let's be honest, but it's okay to be silly as sometimes. I think that's what's um important. And I think that's what we really want to try and do is kind of have that, you know, our byline is intelligence with whimsy, um, bringing that together. But I think, um, I mean, Rebecca's got a lot to say about this. So do you want to well, talk yeah, about this? yeah, I think this? that intelli-
2: like, intelligent people love to wear clothes, right? Like, clothes tell an amazing story. You Put on your outfit for the day. That's fashion. Like, you don't have to be shopping at the designer brands and spending lots of money to have an interest in fashion. And I think... That fashion and beauty has been seen as niche for so long, but that's because yeah. they've spoken to such a niche audience, and we're, we just want to be really inclusive, and if you want, if you can, and you like to shop at designer brands, great. If you like to shop vintage, that's amazing. That's an incredible skill. I wish I had that skill, but <laughs> it's, you know, like there's, there's something for everyone, and, and we should all be just celebrating self-expression.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a it's not an awe situation. No. It's kind of a, a home of creativity and uh, and and um, enjoyment. Like just yes. enjoyment. Like yes. it's it's okay to get enjoyment out of these things. These yes. these rituals and these moments. And
2: And yeah. that's what we really we really want to break past this little fashion crowd. There's this little fashion bubble that all, you know, follow each other on Instagram and all shop at the same places. We really want to reach a wider mass of people because we think that people have felt excluded from fashion for so long and it's that's that's sad
0: what kind of um what kind of events and the like do you have planned
2: uh well events are an interesting concept right (laughs) now (laughs) uh we each of our designer partner brands for our membership program will be doing an event with us for our members. We're going to supplement that with our own events. Um, we're going to do movie screenings and conversations, um, meditations, um, online. We've got all sorts of things that we want to do to bring people together offline. Um, which, you know, when our membership program is robust enough, we can go down the country and do events all around the country. Um, We just want to do things that connect people connect people to a community connect people to each other uh and and connect people to the designers that we work with and other brands that we work with we really want people to start thinking about how they're shopping especially in this day and age every dollar you spend is is a political choice um and we really want to you know i think we we feel like new zealand's done an amazing job on the COVID response and we should be keeping as much of that wage subsidy money and things in the country as possible, not spending offshore. So we just really want to do things that help tell that kind of story and bring people together. Oh. And
0: starting, what kind of, um, I guess, like, uh, concerns, <laughs> th- concerns or, or, or feelings were raised by starting, kind of running into the burning building of media <laughs> in the middle of this <laughs> uncertain time? <laughs> like, um, have, you, have you kind of... Stopped yourself every now and again and gone, oh boy, this, this might be tricky. And then back in the lockdown, like, yeah, how's, it how's it, the day how's it after going? We
2: back into lockdown wasn't really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't been able to have a drink together yet. To yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. I mean,
1: obviously, media is struggling, fashion is struggling. So we're, uh, we're definitely aware of the challenges. But like I said before, everyone, there's no answer. So that's what the timing is actually good It's because you can take a risk and be flexible or um, agile as the buzzword is. But,
2: you know, we, we totally know that the challenges ahead. We know that it's not going to be easy, but we're in it for the long term. And it yes. was kind of like we could ride out this year, sitting at home, doing nothing and then start to pick ourselves up and start to wonder where the opportunities might be. Or we can just hunker down. And really give it a go, have a really challenging ride and hopefully come out the other end with a really robust business model, strong membership program and with some really great stories to tell. Yeah, Is it kind
0: of liberating as well? Like when there has been so much facade to, um, I mean, all business, but, but the fashion business as well. There's something, I, I don't know, from my perspective, quite liberating about being open with the numbers and being like, actually, it's really hard. And, well, this is just what we're going to try and do. And if it doesn't work. We'll do something else and we'll try something else rather than totally. presenting a fully formed this is perfection kind of narrative or this is how it must be.
2: And 100%. transparency is amazing, you know? Like the more people that are transparent, the better. I've worked on I've worked on New Zealand Fashion Week shows before in the past when designers have come out and said, no, I made this huge sale to this designer from the US and I've been and this buyer and it's like, have any buyers from the US like there's, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of ego in this industry and a lot of people don't tell the full story so I think the more transparency we can get the better and the more empowering it is to up yeah, to others to take risk yeah
0: yeah and it's is it a kind of change from the fake it till you make it that was very real for a long time to I don't know yeah, be true be yeah. And, and how can, how can people get involved? So, um, you know, obviously they can head to the website, there's the members thing, but all the content's available, isn't it as well? All if the you're not content a is yeah. free. Mm.
2: Content is for everybody. The stories are for everyone.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And if people are interested in, um, I don't know, what kind of, what kind of stories and what kind of things are you wanting to cover? Like if someone, um, you know, has something that they want to bring to you or get involved,
2: how does that work? Oh, we, we love people to bring us things. Or if I people mean, are... pitch away.
1: Yeah. Pitch away, please. I feel like in my past jobs, people weren't pitching enough. And so we totally want people to come to us if they have something they desperately want to write about or someone they think we should interview. Like, we, we're we open to all pitches and feedback.
2: We live in, you know, we live in our worlds. We need people to bring yeah. other things to us.
1: Yeah, yeah, also. Awesome.
0: And what will, what will success be for Ensemble Magazine, and for you too?
2: I think success will definitely be having a commercially viable business model that enables us to pay people to, <laughs> to yes. for their amazing creative work, um, and a really strong readership of people who are really happy to see themselves reflected in those pages they see escapism they see themselves a whole variety of things and people sharing and talking about us
1: yeah I think for me it's ha- it will be building a really strong team of people who are you know feels like they're contributing or creating something important and like Rebecca said being able to pay them because there is definitely which we've touched on this culture and fashion and creativity of you know working for the opportunity which we want to be able to pay people for their talents and their time
0: yeah yeah that's so cool well i can't wait to see where it goes next and uh um yeah <laughs> to, to to be along at an event and yeah keep fighting the good fight lovely thank you for sharing your story today thanks it's so much for having me. <laughs> and rebecca wady of ensemble magazine Cool, and you can find that at ensemblemagazine.co.nz. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you to Tina Tiller for producing, uh, and thank you very much for having us along in your ears. Cheers. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From the spin-off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by Sparklab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on Sparklab, visit sparklab.co.nz.
1: Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment?